Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. what's up nothing what is going on oh my gosh i'm tired i know we gotta get our energy up but we are going to um you're in town for a week yay yay so pumped and uh we're gonna do a couple q a episodes we got some really amazing juicy topics and um yeah we're gonna talk about a lot of things this week yeah so do you want to start with a q a ep i do i do so we, you know, we've gotten so many awesome DMs from you guys, and sometimes you'll ask us questions in the DMs, and we may respond or not, but I we do want to respond here because a lot of times your question is valid for so many other people. So there was an interesting one here that I thought would be a kind of a cool conversation was um, a gal wrote in, and she said that she had heard uh, a podcast, on actually on another podcast, when I talked about Nate cheating and I said, why? And he said, you didn't need me. Mm. And she said, one of her first big talks with her boyfriend, her boyfriend and her had were about the things that they needed and wanted in their relationship. And he said to her, I need to feel needed. But she said, now I'm nervous because how do you need someone other than, other than all the emotional aspects of a relationship? For me, I own my own business, my own house. My family is a huge part of my life. And I have a huge support group of friends that I could call on. I need emotional support. Or do I need more or do I need it differently? Mm. And I thought this was great because I think, you know, Jill and I maybe have that same thing. Like we definitely have been on our own. And I think a lot of women here are like financially stable and maybe they don't. And so it was a good question to ask. Have you had that question with Keith? No. No, but that'd be a good question to ask. But, yeah. you know, I think that we all need to feel needed in a certain way. So I think for the first question I would say is in what way can, do you feel needed? Because that's the thing is like we could be, I don't know, for example, the lowest hanging fruit is like, honey, can you hang this on the wall? Yeah. Um, honey, can you, uh, you know, grab this for me? Can you get this for me? Like these acts of service yep. is like I think the lowest hanging fruit. And yeah. so I think we automatically go to, you know, maybe men need to feel like masculine so they need to like hang stuff do stuff with tools put together shit like you know whereas that might not be the way he needs to feel needed he might actually want you to come to him with an emotional problem that you're going through or something at work that's not working well or you know what I mean so I think the first question is a clarifying question of going like okay how how does that look for you because we know we've done you know an episode on the five love languages which it's literally just that yeah so someone needs to feel needed I know the way that I need to feel needed you know I think we all do Uh and you have to just articulate that so he might not know yet and I think it's such a vague and broad thing to say because I think we all on some level need to be needed in a relationship we need to feel like if if we weren't there that the person would miss us and that's I think why sometimes jealousy can be attractive you know sometimes if you're like with someone and they never feel jealousy I think like ultimately that's kind of what we want but same time it makes you feel like you they could take or leave you sometimes and so I understand that from both perspective I think a lot of times especially for women and this is traditional like maybe gender roles we like to nurture or we like to like make food or I I catch myself like you know 
wanted to pick up stuff for Keith or like prep food if he's like had a long day or something like that where I'm always just like can I and so you know but maybe that's not the way in which he feels love so I think it does come down to how does someone give and receive love I don't even think it's about needing so much it's about just appreciating mm-hmm. and being able to speak that person's language yeah like she sounds like she's worried like oh my gosh I don't need him so what do I do? Yeah, she does and, it technically. Like yeah. she'd be fine without him. <laughs> totally. She would be heartbroken and, and of course yeah. you and I would be too, but you would go life would go on. Yeah. I think what I had responded to her was you just need to ask clarifying questions. Like what does being needed mean to sure. him? Like you said it. Like she might be thinking, I need I need him financially, I need him yep. to provide, or he might just be like, I just need you to ask me to like carry heavy boxes up the stairs yep. or like open jars for you if you can't. And just because you you can do something yeah. doesn't mean you can't outsource it to someone else. Yeah. You know, like she sounds like she's very capable. You're capable. I'm capable. We're capable of doing all the things. And what's really hard and and vulnerable even is asking for someone to help you with something because you don't technically need it. Yeah. But it feels really good. And I know for me, we've talked about this before, like, are there strings attached? Or like, now Mm -hmm. I'm going to, because you technically could handle it. Yeah. But what are the things that you're willing to be vulnerable about and ask for help with? Yeah. And that's kind of scary. Yeah. I think that is very scary for a lot of like strong women or women who have kind of been holding it down on their own to ask for help for anything, sure. let alone, you know, if you, maybe your history is of, with somebody who was holding stuff over your head or with parents who maybe were like that. So yeah, I think we had kind of the same answer. Just ask clarifying questions. I think clarifying, asking clarifying questions helps so many misunderstandings because we all have we have language and we all use a lot of the same words, but what those words mean in the dictionary and what we make them mean in our own heads and what they mean to us are different. And so for somebody who says they need to be needed or they want to be needed, that may look completely different than how it would look to you or how you think that they mean. So just asking like, what does that look like to you? Can you give me an example? Can you um, elaborate? Those are clarifying questions and those are things that will help you understand. So then you don't have to go, oh my gosh, I better get this relationship now because I can't, I don't need him. Right. You know, like you might just be throwing in the towel, but actually you just need to find out what does that actually you mean? You know, it might just be like an opportunity for you to just like have a preference. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I'll give you an example with Keith. Like, obviously I'm perfectly capable of getting all my own food and making my own meals and, you know, whatever. But if he's cooking breakfast, he'll be like, hey, babe, do you want a couple eggs? And I find myself being like, I want to say no, because I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to make him do any extra work. Yeah. And also like, I'll, I can do it myself later. Mm-hmm. I'll figure out my own food situation or whatever. And I found myself being like, yeah, I'll take a couple of things like, yeah. and allowing for, you know, it's like, but I, I know it's so such a small thing, yeah. but it would be so, so much easier to just do it myself later. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, okay. He can take a couple extra minutes and make me breakfast too. And yeah, whatever. And if he offered, he's willing to do it. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a good one and I don't think there's any cut and dry answer and I don't think be scared either yeah you know I think it's I think it's hard if sometimes if you feel like you're like walking on eggshells I don't know that there's a right and a wrong way of doing things and I think sometimes the anxiety that we or the pressure we put on ourselves for like I don't want to mess up this relationship ends up ma- messing it up even more like yep. you know what I mean instead just like just do what you would naturally do and if there's an opportunity where you can offload something and you can ask you know, uh, for help with something, then that might be it. But I think the kind of help really depends on what he says in response. Do you have any other questions? Want me to go? Go ahead. You go next. So this is a good one. It's juicy. This we had asked on the Instagram, what should we talk about? So this isn't exactly a question, posed as a question, but it is. What if you hate 
your best friend's significant other for legit reasons, but you want to still support her. Mm. I have so many, mm-hmm. speaking of clarifying questions, mm-hmm. I have so yeah. many follow-ups. <laughs> sure. Like, why do you hate him for a legitimate reason? Yeah. What is the reason? What is the legit reason? Yeah. I would say, you know, this is a, a for instance of a friend of mine who you know too, where uh, we know for a fact that her husband has you know, made passes at other friends of our, of ours and um, there's a, has cheated on her repeatedly. And so I, I could say, like, I could imagine somebody saying those are legit reasons. Yeah. And it's hard when you know, when you have a friend who you adore, especially a best friend, and you're they're getting hurt. Um, or maybe you know something that the, the spouse did. Maybe he cheated or maybe he's hurting her or something. I'd say in the case of abuse, I think there's a different, there's a different answer. But let's just say it's, it's cheating or like he's somehow micro opinion creepy or something. Yeah. yeah. I think it, the, the thing is, is that some people still choose, they, they may know about it and they still choose to stay. And so ultimately um, it, it's hard. There's, there's, it's so hard to be in a relationship when your spouse is, maybe she knows that he's a creep or maybe she knows he's doing some shady things and, and maybe it is valid reason that you don't like him, but I think it really is important to, um, to not let that interfere with the friendship as hard as it is. And I guess, yeah, I guess it comes down to also you deciding is that outside of your lines of integrity. Mm-hmm. And if you can't support that, then you might have to step away from your friend. I mean, you really do have to decide. And it's kind of like the policing your friends episode. Yep. Is it your job to, to manage who she's spending her life with, who she's married to, who, you know, who she's hanging around with. So you have to ask yourself that, is that your job? And if she chooses to be with somebody who you don't like, you don't have to hang around her husband by any means yeah. you can just make sure every time you have meetings you, it's just one-on-one and you can miss you can direct the conversations another way or just like hey I'm not comfortable talking about this or if there's like leg- like she said legit reasons and they're legit reasons that maybe need to be brought to our attention that are really important like there's some kind of abuse or something he's doing that's illegal or something then that's another conversation so yeah yeah, yeah like you said yeah that's why there are, there are some follow-up questions mm-hmm. I think your point about is it your business I think that's so so important because mm-hmm. I think sometimes if it's our friend that we like really truly care about we take their pain and their hurt personally too mm-hmm. you know we've all done it we're like that motherfucker like what like we've all done that for our friends and there's something really nice about the solidarity of that and like I, I got your back no matter what the problem is is that it really isn't your business to take on. And so like try as hard as you possibly can not to take it personally, mm-hmm. even though you want to, yep. you, I mean, you know, we all know that feeling of like when someone is, uh, is however they are to our best friend, we feel like they're doing that to us too. Mm-hmm. We do take it personally. So we think try to detach from taking it personally. Cause that just muddies the waters. Yep. And we've talked about this in like the, the mindset vocabulary episode about like holding space it really is not about you. Yeah. If the goal is to support your friend, then it's not about you. A lot of times we get a second question similar to this, which is, but what if she keeps complaining about mm-hmm. him to me? Right. What if she keeps complaining about him to me and like, I'm done with it. Yeah. I think that's valid. But again, what I would do in, in that instance is say, Hey, I have um, like a piece of feedback. I don't need to share it with you, but are you open to, yep you know, hearing something from me. Yeah. And then if she's like, sure, just say, okay, you know, I've, I'm, I'm your friend. I will hold it down for you, whatever you need, but it's been two years and like nothing has changed, which is fine. Like I get that you're going out at your own pace, but just so you know, as your friend, 
I would love to see like some progress in, mm-hmm. in terms of like where you're taking this relationship. I'll hold it down for you, whatever. If you need to come and vent and you're, you don't have the intention of changing things, that's cool. But just so you know, my value system is if I'm complaining about something like I do want to at some point things to change and I'm happy to talk to, to you about that. But in the meantime, like if you, if you just need to vent, let's have that conversation too. Yeah. So it's hard because you want to be there, but you kind of have to inoculate yourself mm-hmm. and not make it about you. And then also, if you're not seeing progress, sometimes people just throw their heads up and like, nothing's changing. I can't take this. It's like, you're still making it about you if you do that. Yeah. That's why I think offering, uh, asking if you can give feedback is a good place to begin. And if they say, no, I'm not open to feedback, then like, cool, you know where you stand. Yeah. And maybe you do have to slowly move away from that relationship in a way, you know, to yeah. inoculate yourself. I like that. Your own energy. I like that about not making it about you because ultimately I think when I hear that question, it is like... I, for legit, when I hear for legit reasons, then I think the thought process behind it is if it were me, I would do something different. And unfortunately it's not you and you don't know what anybody's, you don't, you're not in the other person's shoes. You may know their circumstances, you may know them, but you just, you're still not in their shoes. And so you just, you don't have to be around that person. If there is someone being hurt, then I think there's a different kind of obligation to try to help with, with what you know. Um, but ultimately it's just not about you. It's yeah. not your relationship. It's not your life. And sorry. So then you just have to manage your own energy, right? Yeah. And if you're like, okay, I can't be around this friend all the time. Maybe you just go, okay, great. I have a, you know, my, my brother Dan has a friend of his that he's like, he just knows he can't see all the time. So he's like, okay, you take him in doses. Yep. You might have to just like quarantine mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. and be a little bit more discerning. But I always think that when it comes to like one of your best friends, they deserve your honesty. Yeah. And don't make it about you. Make it about like your honest observation. Yeah. Take it or leave it. I'm not saying I'm right, yeah. but this is how I see things. And like, I got you. If you want to do something different, I'm here for you. If yeah. you don't, cool. But then just tell me that so I'm ready. Emotionally, I'm ready for just like the venting and complaining. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're projecting because we don't, we need more information on this one. Sure. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like to think, okay, if, if it's so funny, um, I was just with some friends recently and there was a partner a partner of my friend's brother, they split up. And then afterwards, everybody kind of came out that they didn't like her. And he was mm-hmm. just like, why didn't anybody tell me? And right. that happened to me as well with a boyfriend before I got married. And I remember thinking, gosh, everybody hated him. And you kind of feel like, why didn't anyone tell me this? But at the same time, if they did, I'm not sure I would have seen it. Could've or I would have gone it. like, well, you don't know what he's like in private. And he's different or she's different. So yep. it can also be, you can, you can voice your opinion on the person or share what he or she has done but ultimately you might look like the bad guy seeing that too so it's 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 a tricky situation I think um to what Jill said of like asking if for if I could give feedback is a good one or if your friend says hey what do you think of my husband doing this or that then that's a time that you can get to be honest you don't have to you don't have to you know try to say things to make her happy you can be honest at that point if she's asking for your opinion yep no, so I think it's great. I think it's very nuanced, but yeah. maybe we can have a follow up to that one. Yeah. So the here is one um, and a little bit's been answered in, in Kelsey Heenan podcast. But I think what do you think is the best way to identify what's going on mentally if you're food obsessed besides a therapist? What are typical reasons you think people become food obsessed? 
And how can we identify the origin so we can kick it for good? Oof. This is a good one. I mean, there, I think there's multiple reasons. The first one that comes to mind is diet marketing, mm-hmm. period. Like the reason why we feel – so when I think about food obsession and like neurotic thoughts about food – I think it comes down to the fact that we've been so bombarded with messages around diets and different types of diets and um, different ways of eating that we feel like every eating decision is monumental. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of myopia when it comes to your eating, like every single decision you make is so big and it's so important and it's going to make you fat or skinny or whatever. Like the, the pressure we put on ourselves on every single decision has made it such that everything feels really important. And so, and I remember this in my own experience when I was food obsessed, I felt like like I was going to mess up any, so like I didn't, I was, didn't want to mess up. It was yeah. always this like, I have to eat perfectly. If I mess up, then I might as well not even try. And so it was this constant fear yeah. of eating the wrong thing, eating at the wrong time, not eating enough of this, eating too much of this. And so I think that the marketing that we're bombarded with, because nutrition information is fun. If you are someone who has maybe had food obsession, it's interesting and fun to learn about food because you can literally manipulate your body based on how you eat. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, that was like, that was my in, that was my gateway. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. When I saw myself lose weight for the first time to get up on stage, I was like, I can't believe that I have this much control over how I look. Yeah. And that became addictive. Yep. And so when you, and same thing with exercise. And so I think, and there's multiple reasons, but I think the first one comes to mind is information overload. Yeah. It's just constant constantly reading, watching. I mean, honestly, like if you're a regular gen pop lay person and you're reading fucking biochemistry papers, I'm sorry, but like you don't need to be doing that. You know, like (laughs) your body doesn't change that much from like this much sodium versus this much sodium. Like that's just not. And so I think the goal is how do I be discerning Mm -hmm. with what actually matters and pay attention to those couple things and then everything else just not even worry about. And so I think it comes down to a a mental discernment process. I like that. I think what was brought up in the Kelsey episode was also some personality traits and personality types that you're born with. You know, some people are born a little bit more uh, type A. I think, I think you can be, um, you can have more of a leaning toward these kind of behaviors. If you have always been a perfectionist, if you've always like really like even to Jill's point about like kind of geeking out on that stuff, if you're like into that like science stuff, if you were brought up in some kind of sports where uh, leanness was favored, like if you were a runner, a swimmer, a gymnast, actually just about any sport where you need to have, uh, you need to be leaner. Um, I also think there are deeper, there are deeper issues that can be from childhood. I mean, literally, you know, where did your parents uh, make comments to you when you looked smaller or leaner? Did your mom mm. say things about your body or your dad say things about your body when you were at a smaller size or a larger size? I think that there's, there's so many things in it. Again, another nuanced thing is you kind of maybe have to look at when for you when it started, mm. you know, did this start in high school? I think for Jill and I, it was, it did start earlier. Did it just start after you first had a child and your body changed and it freaked you out? Did it start from like you can't even remember because from the from what you've always known like there was always diets since you were eight years old I mean there are literally people who have had that since they were a child and then on top of all of that like the personal things then you have all the marketing and the diet stuff that's all all over social media all over television all over and knowledge is power right so I think you know you start to go wow like I could learn more and the more I learn I remember just feeling like as if the secret or the, you know, the, the thing that was going to help me was right around the corner. Yeah. I could just read 
a couple more studies, if I could just try a couple more diets, if I could just take this out of my diet and put this in my diet and acai berry and wild caught sand, like whatever it is, you know, it's like whatever that is, we just feel like this might be the ticket. Yeah. It might be like the golden ticket that's going to like finally get us to where we want to be and that um, it can, it's, a, it's just a black hole yeah. of information. And so at some point you have to decide that you know enough and you don't have to go looking for more information. You just have to implement the key things that you already know. Yep. And it's hard. I think the last part of the question is how can we identify the origin so we can kick the awful behavior for good? Ultimately, I don't think it necessarily matters what the origin is. It a lot of times just comes down to being enough and just accepting what is and also just knowing you know enough. Like you don't need to keep knowing more, learning more, finding out more. You also don't need to keep getting leaner and leaner or you know, more muscle, like there's, it can never, it can never end. I mean, we, when we are doing fitness competitions, even though we were at our leanest on stage, then you're looking at the pictures afterwards thinking what you could change for the next competition. Like, oh, I can make my shoulders a little bigger for the next one. And I could get a little bit leaner in the legs and my glutes could come down. And it just ultimately has to come down to being enough and having some self-acceptance. I'm not going to go as far as to say like you have to have so much self-love, but you do have to have a level of acceptance and going, this is good enough because I need to put my mental energy towards other things that are also important. Right. And that's really, I think it doesn't, the origin can help, can help to know and go, oh yeah, you know, I was trying to get the validation of my parents growing up. Just knowing that isn't going to stop it for good either. So because you've you've built in these behaviors and patterns over time, and that's going to take some time to undo. But ultimately, it's it's coming down to like what's enough and like and actively choosing to let some of those things go. That's what I was going to say. Actually, I'm glad you said that. I felt the exact same way. I don't think that you need to know why. I think it's interesting as like a thought experiment. Yeah. But at the end of the day, my question is always, how do you actually want to live? Yeah. Right. Because the way that we're living when we're neurotic about food is a choice, even though you don't feel like it is, you feel like, oh my God, if I let, if I start pulling one thread out, the entire thing is going to unravel. That's how you feel. But bottom line is it just comes down to a choice about how you want to live moving forward. And so when you said you need to have the mental energy to do other things in your life, that's a lifestyle choice. And thinking about food and having food be a full-time job is also a choice Mm -hmm. that you could start to unlearn. And so I love what you said about like at some point you have enough information. You don't need to keep looking for stuff. Like there's nothing new out there. Even the old shit is coming back in style, right? Keto has been around forever. Fasting has been around forever. So it's kind of like, okay, great. How do I want to move forward? And what does that choice look like? And it takes and go back to our previous episodes on self-trust and, you know, making that leap of faith and doing all of those kind of things, starting to trust yourself and, and eat more, navigate the middle moderate eating mindfulness like all of those practices we've talked about in previous episodes it comes down to like I hate to say it but you can continue to do what you've done and it's familiar right and you go okay well this feels safe because it's familiar even though you're miserable or you can be like you know what I'm gonna take the leap of faith into doing it something totally different when it comes to eating and I'm just gonna trust the process and I'm gonna try and figure this out in order to do that you have to have a level of self-trust and also self-acceptance like you mentioned so I think it comes down to uh, just making a conscious choice about doing something different. I love it. You want to do one more question for this one? Yeah. You want me to do it or do I do it? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So actually we could do this. We got like about three questions that are very similar to this. So I'll just ask this one. How to move on from a relationship. The next one is surviving a breakup. Mm. So yeah. I had one I of those too. It was like it yeah, was said about uh, breaking up for 
uh, getting through a breakup, even if it's like not even a big deal. People who are super sensitive. To I'm breakups. interested in that because I, I think I'm that way. I think I don't like to be wanted, even if I don't want them. Oh, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, with a I'm like, I don't even want I, you. One of the guys I dated that we weren't even together and I acted like, I mean, I felt like it was a breakup, even though we never even were in a relationship. But I was like upset that like, why didn't you, why don't you want me? Why though? didn't you choose me? I mean, I wasn't choosing you, but yeah. you should have at least chose me. <laughs> yeah. Rejection doesn't feel good, man. No, nobody likes being rejected. I think getting through a breakup, I mean, there's, there are so many things. Breakups in a way are like, they're a loss. You know, so it's not just losing the person and whether or not you have been with somebody for a couple of weeks or months or a couple of years, you're losing the access to the person that you had. And you're also losing the future, like the potential future that you never had, because whether we want to or not, we try to stay in the present, we still create a future with that person. Even if it's like, oh, we were going to go on a vacation two weeks from now, you know, in two weeks. Uh, maybe we were going to do something like Friday night and they broke up with me. You know, we, we always create this future and it's, I think we lose access to the person. We're losing the future and it's something to grieve. And so it's a loss and a loss is a loss. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I, and I think it's valid. I mean, I think, and I get what she's saying. She's like, I shouldn't even care. Like we didn't even have a thing. Yeah. And so I think that's maybe more where like rejection comes in. Cause I think I'm sensitive to that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel that on a deep level and then I just catch myself and I'm like, it's not a big deal. But I think that it's valid to feel that way. I think if it's a longer term relationship where you've established things like a lifestyle together, um, things that you do as a couple, maybe, you know, you have a, you've built a life together. Maybe you have like couple friends that you do things with, like you've, so you're grieving, that you're grieving the potential future and you're also grieving a lifestyle, yeah. you know, like, like moving to California and starting over as a single person is a complete 180 yeah. from my marriage in North Carolina. And that's, and that's tough. And yeah. it's, it is, um, you can be in both places at once knowing that this thing over here, that it was the right choice to break up, but then also grieve it. And I think sometimes you have to just be sad and just because you're sad doesn't mean that you want it back yeah. necessarily. In fact, you consciously don't. You have the intellectual understanding that it wasn't a good fit. Yeah. But it's still undoing all of the emotional connection that you had, right? I mean, yeah. we even know when you're with someone like intimately or even just physical touch wise, like our brain releases chemicals that make us feel closer to that person. Yeah. And so there's bonding. Right. And so when you're breaking up, you're yeah. you're having to unbreak all of those yeah. things and your heart might actually physically hurt from that. Yeah. Have you ever had that feeling? Oh, totally. Where you just feel like heartbreak your ha- heart like sinks yes, in your chest. It's real. Like I yeah. feel like heartbreak is like I feel like your it feels like your heart is really breaking. Yeah. A- or aching at the very least. Yep. I think getting through it is a matter of t- I think time is one of the only things that's really, really helps. And that's like, I remember, and I, I wrote a post on my divorce and I just remember at that time, just wanting to fast forward through it. I'm like, I wish I could just get through this part. I know like, you know, however many months from now I'll be okay, but I wish I could just fast forward through it. But I don't think there's a fast forward button. I think you do have to have those crying moments. We just had Nagar Fanuni on the, on the podcast and she's just going through a breakup and she's like, I'm making it through the day. I'm putting one foot in front of the other, doing one thing, like getting out of bed and then doing the next thing. But at night, I'm still crying myself to sleep. And I think there is just a process where you just do that. You just cry. Or you're in the middle of, you know, working and a thought pops into your head and you burst into tears. And I think for me, the only thing that helped was time. I know for 
the first couple days I cried maybe 20 hours of the day. Like if I got any sleep, I don't know, but I cried most of the day. And then I remember a few weeks into it, I called my sister-in-law and I was like, well, I only cried six times today. And then soon it was like, I was only crying once a day. And then soon it was like maybe once a week. And I remember even months later, I would out of the blue, just start bawling because I'd think of something or remember something, or like it was a date or an anniversary or something that I remembered. And I was like, gosh, I wish I was over this already. It's already been a year. And it's, it's a process. But if you're crying a year later, and I still, I mean, I've still had moments, even last week, actually, my ex texted me and we had a conversation and I was like, fuck, why am I still crying about this? But it's been, th- and it's been three years, but there is a process and there's going to be times, wh- but I'm not crying every day still. Yeah, yeah. If I'm three years in and I was bawling for 20 hours a day, that would be an <laughs> issue. Um, but it does get better and you just have to trust the process and just know that it's like there is actually a physical, there's a physical response, yeah. there's an emotional response and it's really, it's a loss. You're, you're losing a lot of things. I know. I think when it comes down to it, it's just endurance. Mm-hmm. So I remember my very first year on my marriage, just feeling so lonely. And I said that before on the podcast and I don't know that I really had felt ever that way. And so when I, and I hated it, I mm-hmm. felt like a fucking loser. I know that's mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's dramatic, but I did. I felt like, Oh my God, like I don't have anybody. Like there's no, it's just me in a tiny fucking apartment. And like, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have any people to hang out with. Like it felt really, sad and um uncomfortable and lonely and I remember you just feel it yeah you just allow yourself to feel it and it's hard because you want to control it you want to call someone or like do something or like fucking go off at your ex like you want to do something that makes you feel in your power and I hate the word surrender so much but like that kind of is yeah the answer is just to feel what you're feeling and allow yourself or that means you're crying or that means you, you know, I mean, to call a friend, like, or just like literally go to bed, you know, or go for a leisure walk. Like that's, those are the kind of things that I was doing. I was just like, okay, I don't like this feeling, but I'm just going to endure it. And I think you, you do go through a period of time like that. It just sucks a big one. It does. There's not a fast forward button. You know, it's interesting. I was um, on Twitter like a while back and I saw this article And the title was, if you're not planning on getting married, then don't bother dating because you're just going to have a heartbreak or something like that. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was a, it was like a fairly like religious article. So Mm -hmm. I think that the goal was marriage, you know, but it was interesting to hear that perspective. And I was like, I can, I think the exact opposite. Like I love, we just had on um, Amy Young and she was like, I see relationships as growth enhancement tools. And I was like, and I was like, yes, exactly. So it's not even about like. I'm only getting in this relationship. It means we're going to get married and stay together for 70 years. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to be in this relationship because it's amazing right now. I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go. And chances are, I'm going to have my heart fucking broken at some point. Yeah. You're lucky if you never do. Yeah. But I think you have to just go in with like the fact that that might happen, but don't yeah. be scared of it. Like put it all out there. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking mostly to myself at this yeah. point, but I think there's something really powerful about doing that. You have to do it. The alternative is not going deep and not having a true connected relationship if you're trying to avoid heartbreak. And even when we try to avoid heartbreak, we still get it. It's like, (laughs) it's impossible to not, I think. It's so, you might as well go all in. And I hate to, to say that, but it's, we all go through it. And I think 
the the best way is is the way you figure out how you know there's what no about like best tactical way. stuff what about like should they get, join a club should they join like i joined you know, i joined three gyms i was like okay at least i think staying busy yeah, yeah i think staying busy i think being around people who support you and will lift you up whether it's your parents i know some people are closer to their moms and dads than i i was um your friends who've been through it reaching out watching I mean literally YouTube saved me I remember going just literally searching on YouTube how to get through a heartbreak and watching videos I mean you we do all those things you google it right you're googling like how do I manage this how do I get through my life yep um and for me um just like Nagar was really interesting when she said it on the episode we just did with her but I was making myself get up and just do my hair and makeup every morning mm. because I figured if I didn't I thought I'd stay in my pajamas all day and then I would sink into a really bad depression yep. and so I got up and I put on makeup and I did my hair even though the mascara would be all over my face and the makeup <laughs> would be washed off but I just felt like it was one thing I could do. And then the rest of the day, I didn't do anything. But it was just, I was making myself do one thing. And yep. Nagar said a very similar thing. Like, she just, okay, first I'm going to wake up. And then I'm going to go make the coffee. And I think it's just putting one foot in front of the other. Not knowing what's next. Not knowing what's next week. Not knowing anything. But just taking the little baby steps. And then asking for help and support. Or just being around people who can help and support you. Because it's not easy. It's it's sad and it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And I agree. I think having people that can hold space for you and who are willing to talk about it with you, which, you know, I think you and I are super spoiled. When I talk to most people, they're like, I don't have anyone I can talk to about that. Mm-hmm. Or their friends get really fatigued really easily, you know, or they just, their friends want them to be over it, you know, really quickly. And so, you know, I think you need to figure out who you can go to that's safe. Yeah. And I think from a logistical perspective, I know for me doing things that engage me, yeah. Are even if those things are uncomfortable, like when I moved out, I took salsa lessons. I joined three different gyms. I started like, going on a couple like trips with random people. Like I just started saying yes to new stuff, and so I think engaging in a process. I worked a lot. Like you know, I just was like, okay, what can I do? Not not necessarily to like numb out and not necessarily like distract myself, but to still feel engaged. Because I think if I just like stayed at home and like cried myself to sleep every night. Sure. There was nights like that, but like, I think I would just feel a lot more depressed yeah. on top of already dealing with heartbreak. So force yourself to get out there and do stuff. Like even if it's fucking uncomfortable, yeah. you know, even if it's alone, I mean, I think there's something valid about that. I think you, it can easily spiral into a depression. So you do have to make a conscious effort to do things. Yeah. And I think that's smart. Go and meet up groups or just get out of the house, stay at work longer, find out what people are doing. Yeah, is there anything you want to do? Do you like want to learn how to cook? Yeah. Do you want to yeah. learn how to dance? Yeah. Do you want to like it's a good I loved when you um when you interviewed Sarah and she was like one of the best things about you know, my relationship ending was like, I got to make my own decisions. Like I got to de- decorate the place how I wanted to and like stuff like that. And so, yeah, I mean like what have you maybe been putting off because you've been considering your partner that now you don't have to consider them, you know, and like celebrate that. Yeah. It's toughy though. And I don't think there's any way of getting around it. No. Except if you get under someone else. Yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing that. I'm like, yep, I'm going for this one. Yeah. I mean, like the you fastest might... way to get over someone is to get under someone else. I mean, you know, hey, I mean, there's something also. too, and I don't know it's a long-term strategy, but there's something nice about feeling wanted by someone else yep. after rejection too. So you're human. Yep. Like, yeah, maybe like don't, you know, have compulsive sex all the time, but I do think that it's okay to just be like, you know what? I would like to feel wanted and like start dating, like fucking download the apps and and just be aware of like what you're doing. If you're like, okay, I'm doing this to feel validated. Cool. Just know that. Yeah. No judgment, but like, cool. 
I think that's valid. It's fine. So valid. Well, it's a good one. It is a good one. I like these questions. And uh, do you uh, want to talk about the happiness diet? Because this feels relevant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very relevant. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So if you guys didn't know, we did launch the happiness diet. Woo! So excited. We launched it during Jill's birthday week and we did a cool sale, but it's going to be available all the time. So it wasn't just for those couple days. And um, it's actually a program. It's it's actually a combined program that Jill had written and I had like we both had two programs we had done and kind of in right after the aftermath of both of our divorces and separations and things that we use strategies that we use to get through and also just I don't know lifestyle strategies so for at least for my part I'll kind of explain my part is um you know I think there are I was working with a coach for a couple of years and we really worked on just having, I hate to say balance because I don't think you can have balanced life, but working on six different parts of your life um, that people want to focus on. So that's like the physical aspect, the mental, uh, spiritual, the emotional, and the social. So all of these things and just trying to, to like really look at each of those and like where maybe you can be excelling a little more, maybe where you can be... Um, maybe where you need a little bit more help. And, and so, yeah, there's a, there's video content and stuff there. Awesome. And yeah, I love it. Um, it's six week program. And so we've had a lot of people go through it already, which is awesome. Uh, the feedback coming in is really great for my part. It is a six week email based course. So every single day for six weeks, you'll get an email and everything is designed to help you live a more, I don't want to say again, it's not balanced. It's more, I don't know, evolved existence. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I'll just be super honest. My, the emails might be triggering to you. They might make you feel defensive. They might make you feel uncomfortable because really the goal is to start calling out all your BS. Like, you know, we're, we're the first people to tell you guys that we are absolutely not perfect. We don't know what we're doing half the time, but we're struggling through it. We're, we're stumbling through it and we're learning the lessons as we go. This course is a culmination of all the work that I've done, the hundreds of personal development books, personal experience. I share a lot of stories in there, a lot of examples. I think sometimes we talk mindset. It's a, it's essentially a mindset course. We called it a diet because we believe that everything that you put into your body really does make a difference. That includes your thoughts, that includes your feelings, your emotions, the things that you, because we do have a say over those things. And so when it comes to mindset, it's really about choosing your perspective and choosing the perception that you want to have to the things that are happening in your life in order to feel in your power. So this is going to help you call out your own bullshit, uh, put a spotlight on some of your insecurities and then how you respond as a result of those things being triggered in your life. So other people, mom, it's very focused on a relational stuff. So yeah. like, you know, relation, romantic relationships, but also uh, family members, coworkers, bosses, people like that. Like, cause I feel like relationships are so growth enhancing and it, you, you know, I don't know if we lived in the middle of a in the middle of nowhere in a log cabin, you probably would never be fucking triggered because you never have to have yeah. a conversation with anybody. Yeah. But when it comes to living your life and going through a lot of this messy, juicy stuff really comes out of those. And so I give a lot of examples. If you guys have not checked out The Happiness Diet, go to thehappinessdiet.com. The course is up and we are super proud of it. The, the feedback has been amazing so far. So if you guys are really struggling in this area, we've had a lot of people reach out to us and we have literally prescribed this course as a course of action when it comes to what 
what they need. So we are, we're, we're super pumped about it or it's finally out and we stand behind it. So yep, it's lessons. There are so many tools, you know, we talk a lot about on, on this podcast tools, but it's all in one spot. Um, a lot of things we've mentioned here are there plus, <laughs> plus more, and then just strategies to put into practice. Like yep. it's great to say things in theory, but we give you ways to actually practice it. We give you like some homework to do. We give you yep. things to try so totally. that we're not just reading it and like reading another book or just doing a program yep. like based on theory. This is like, cool, let's take this to the real world. And I think it's one of the most comprehensive like lifestyle and mindset programs that's yeah. out there. I love it. I'm super proud of it. I'm psyched. Um, we'll probably be talking about a lot more, but because we really want you guys to get your hands on it. Um, not sure how long that it's going to be available, but it is available now at thehappinessdiet.com. If you have any specific questions about if it's right for you or not, send us a DM on Insta. Be happy to clarify any of that stuff for you, but all, there's a ton of details at thehappinessdiet.com. Boom. Boom. All, all right, right you guys. guys. Amazing. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. See ya. Bye.